Yes, it's all about scratch. Remain here on top of this metropolis. My name's like a swear. Dropped off every tear. Now y'all can swear to Jay. Take off the blazer. Loosen up the tie. Step inside the booth. Mr. Monday's alive. You're listening to the Urban Business Roundtable here on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. I'm Curtis R. Monday. Call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690 on UBR. Glad to be here on another week. Man, it was hard getting out the bed this morning. <laughs> Man, it really, really, it's really one of the days where it's gloomy outside. It's a t- getting ready to be one of them fall days, and you just want to kick back and chill. Chance the baby, as I call my son, he's watching his cartoons, and I want to sit there and watch car- lay there and watch cartoons right along with them. But duty calls. I love you guys, so we need to get on to the proceedings to be able to share with you some of these stories about entrepreneurship. Coming up about 920, um, we have, well, first at 935, we have uh, Rashid Galanichi. Going to make sure we get that pronunciation correct. He's the co-founder of Driver. Driver is a free mobile app that allows users to video record their trip using their um, personal uh, cell phone. I know Sonia, our producer, is really impressed. She said it five times, and when she emailed me and text me the, the information about the guest, did you try it? Did you download it? It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Sonya don't get excited about too much, but she got excited about this thing, so we got to make sure that we check out this app. And also coming up shortly around 920 is Liz Luckett. She's the managing partner at the Social Entrepreneurial Fund. I'm going to talk to her about the great work that she's doing there. And so sit back and keep it locked here on the only show that matters, the Urban Business Roundtable. It's called... UBR or the Urban Business Roundtable. It's a show dedicated to the creation and growth of the urban entrepreneur and small business owner. We got three primary goals here on UBR. One, to redefine the word urban and to help the urban community leverage their purchasing power. Two, to be a resource for the creation, sustaining, and growth of small businesses uh, and entrepreneurship. And three, we want to help provide small business owners and entrepreneurs access to capital provide them opportunities to grow their business. You can listen to the Urban Business Roundtable every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then you can catch the condensed recap on Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. and Thursdays at 6.05 p.m. Be sure to follow me on all social media handles. Um, that's on Instagram, see Monday. On Facebook, that's Curtis R. Monday. Be sure to visit my website, www.curtisrmonday.com to pick up the book, The Game, How to Become Successful, Real estate investor, been doing pretty well with the book. I'm excited about where we're going and the different things that we're doing and helping people build wealth via real estate uh, and also financial services. Be sure to call my office at 708-647-1005. You know, I, I, thought, I thought about this the other day, that come next year, next March, I would be, it, it would make 20 years that I've been in business. 20 years, two decades. Two decades I've been out here hustling. Two decades I've been. Uh, that, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, 20 years, man, I've been doing this. And a great, and a great big part of it uh, has been uh, on WVON, uh, first with dollars and cents. Uh, the Urban Business Roundtable, C-Flips, C-Flips. Man, you guys watched me grow up 20 years in the game. I've evolved a lot in entrepreneurship and, and my business 
uh, model over the years. I think one of the big things is is that I've had to balance off. I had to balance this how I'm wired is that I always try to find some kind of my eternal um, chip uh, on my shoulder. Well, I have an eternal chip on my shoulder. I always got something that I use to tweak me. It's one of the reasons why I like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would make up stories that someone said something about him negative on the basketball court as an excuse to give him 50. Well, I look for motivation to to motivate me to keep working sometimes, right? It's the thing that I need. It's just whether I feel slighted, cheated, uh, not getting my just due, whatever it is. I, I use those things historically uh, as a way to motivate me. As I gotten older, though, I've kind of developed through the grace of God the ability to just run my own race. And as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to, uh, at some point, grow into that and just running your own race. It's it's okay to look at other entrepreneurs and other people who you who you respect and in, in terms of what they're doing in business. But you can't get to the point where you're looking at them and comparing yourself against them, because what happens a lot of times is the the very person that you may respect in business uh, a lot of times are at a further stage than you are, right? So let's just say they're bigger than you. They got more financial resources. Their branding is better. They've just been doing it. So their 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 scope of their their reach is a lot bigger than yours. And so what happens is you start to compare yourself against them, and then you're kind of small and they're kind of big, and it makes you feel internally inadequate. Conversely, if you use as a basis of comparison a business that you are superior to or entrepreneur that you're superior to, that you surround yourself with individuals who look at you as the benchmark, then you become the proverbial uh, big fish in the small pond, and then you don't grow. So you can see the the challenge in both ways. On one, you feel less than. On two, you may have an overinflated sense of worth. Therefore, the, the, the message is, run your own race, right? And so literally, I've had to develop the fact that, you know, I have to stop looking for external things to motivate me, external things to look for um, uh, affirmations from, external things. I, I can't put my energy on things, on, on things that are on external to, to affirm what I already know about myself. And this is important as an entrepreneur. You have to run your own race. You have to be at the place that God designated you to be, and you have to do the very best that you can do. You have to to be able to look in the mirror and know that your only competition is the only re- is the reflection you see on the other side of the mirror. And with that, you will find some level of peace and satisfaction and comfort and not be swayed. I mean, when the record, when, 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 when the book is closed and the, the final tally uh, has been made, people who, who know truth will recognize game and they'll recognize the individuals who actually did a good job of what they do. So, again, just do your best, just do your best thing. I'll tell you one thing I do love as being an entrepreneur. I love mentorship. Mentorship is important to me um, because it's something that I didn't really get. Um, I, I got it informally. I got it informally, but no, I've never been in, in, a, in a, like a formal mentor mentee relationship. Something I've always craved. I've always wanted it, but I've never been able to, to get it in, in, in business. And it's, and it's important. Uh, true story about, about me. I don't know if you guys ever knew this. 
And it's one of the reasons why I just made a recent hire. I just hired a 23-year-old uh, named Najee in my office. Uh, very intelligent, very bright, just raw uh, in business and experience. Just because he just he's 23 years old. But he's coachable, great attitude, highly intelligent. He's going to do a good job. But he reminded me of me. When I was in college, I uh, would go to job fairs. If you've been on the college campus, you know they have job fairs. And you go to the job fair, you know, once a, a semester in the fall and spring semester. And I would go and I would be trying to, I was trying to obtain an a, a internship. And I went to these job fairs as early as my freshman year. And I would go and I had my, my at the time, Jabot jeans. If I'm dating myself, so if you know what Jabot jeans are, then... You know, we're, we're in the same club. I have my, my Javot jeans on and my Air Force Ones and my pants were sagging and I had an earring in and I think I had a, a resume, but it was just, just some regular copy paper. And I would go and I would talk to the different recruiters and, you know, I could hold a conversation. I was, you know, still Curtis Monday and I would, you know, be able to, you know, talk intelligently about myself and what I'm interested in. But, you know, no bites. I did this twice in my freshman year. No bites. Twice in my sophomore year, no bites. Went to my junior year. And in the second semester in my junior year, second semester in my junior year, this guy came to me and he goes, he's a recruiter. He was one of the at the at one of the booths. He goes, I've watched you come to these job fairs for two, three straight years. I've even listened to you have conversations with other recruiters. And he goes, I um I see that you're intelligent and you're pretty bright, but you can't come to the job fair with jeans and gym shoes on. And furthermore, you need to pull your pants up. And you can't wear an earring to a professional setting because that's just not professional. And get yourself uh, resume paper instead of a real, you know, a real instead of copy paper for your resume. No one has ever told me these things professionally. I, I had no idea what, you know, this professional etiquette meant. I had no idea about the, the, the rules of professionalism in business. No one had ever shared that with me. And I was very appreciative of what he share with me. And so I went out and I worked at Wendy's at the time. I think the young lady I was dating in, in college, my college sweetheart, she you know, gave me a, a, a love offering. And I went and got my first suit from Walmart and got me a certain tie all from Walmart. And I used that and I used that to, for my interviews. And that's what I did. And that's how I was able to secure my first corporate job. So mentorship in business is important. That's my story. A lot of times these young adults just don't have a Oh, uh, just doesn't have the, the, the feedback or don't have the experience to do the right thing. And I'm glad that I can be in a position to help that and encourage all other mentors who are in professional settings. If you have a business or entrepreneur, you can mentor a young adult. I encourage you to do so. We'll take a break at 935. When we, we're going to have our, our guest, our co-founder from Driver. And coming up after the break, we got Miss Liz Luckett going to talk about what she's doing uh, over that, the Social Entrepreneur Fund. You listen to Curtis R. Monday here on the Urban Business Roundtable. Welcome back to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Call me in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. If you're trying to get your financial house in order, be sure to call my office at 708-647-1005. That's 708-647-1005. Let's make sure that your insurance portfolio is intact and we can work with you on your portfolio. Our, our next guest is the managing partner uh, at the Social Entrepreneurial Fund. 
Uh, the Social Entrepreneur Fund invests in software and services designed to help low-income communities and organizations that serve them. Uh, she has an extensive background in philanthropy, technology, analysis, and market research. Uh, and before joining uh, the, the Social Entrepreneur Fund, she was Director of Impact Investing at the Pershing Square Foundation. I want to say good morning to my guest, Ms. Liz Lucky. Good morning to you, Liz. How you doing? I'm well, thank you, Curtis. How are you doing this morning? I can't complain, and as I tell all my guests who spend time with us on Saturdays, I, my sincere prayers as we have this conversation, you and family are safe during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you so much. Yes, we're, we're all managing. I got some teenagers living at home, which is uh, always a challenge, but <laughs> doing all right. Are, are they bouncing off the wall, Liz? <laughs> a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I but everyone's we, healthy, thank you. I hope so uh, in your house as well. Ah, uh, yeah, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely are. So, for, for those who may not, you know, I, I I read your bio and you got one of the bios. You're like, damn, she did all this. Like, <laughs> like for those who, for those who may not be familiar with this for, with you, tell us tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, uh, well, um, I'm from New York. I. Um, I started working in um, in tech. I, I was lucky to get a training job at um, at uh, a, a market research firm um, that did uh, tech research back in the day when it was relatively small. Now it's a, a really big firm, so I was there uh, right after it went public. It's called Gartner. Um, so I did uh, market research and then worked for the CEO doing M&A, buying companies. That's that's how they grew. Uh, and then decided to start my own company. So I, I built a company with some friends, um, and we did predictive modeling, data analytics around market research. So we were trying to figure out how to get uh, – it was right around when pharmaceutical companies were allowed to market right to consumers, and we were trying to help them figure out how to how to figure out what a consumer looked like. They only had marketed to doctors before that. Um, so that was our business, looking at direct-to-consumer marketing for pharmaceutical companies, financial services companies. Um, so I did that for a while, grew it to a big size. Uh, I left right when uh, the IPO market collapsed, um, and uh, I went to, to work at City then, helping them with their uh, credit card strategies as well. And then decided I wanted to do something different. I didn't think people needed more credit cards. I didn't really like the way credit <laughs> cards are sold. Um, started to think about uh, alternative access to credit that a lot of people are left out of credit. Um, so eventually made my way to a, a family foundation where we started this concept of investing in services and social, social concepts that would scale, um, that didn't need philanthropy to scale. Um, we, were, we were trying to think, are there business ideas that you could invest in that will grow based on revenue rather than trying to raise money every year um, for, for philanthropically? Gotcha. So gotcha. that's my background. Um, we started the Social Entrepreneurs Fund, which we called TCEF, um, in 2012. It was a bunch of people who were wealthy and giving a lot of money away and liked investing and wanted to see how those two things um, overlapped. Absolutely. And that's where we got started. Now, Liz, I mean, Liz, you, you, you've kind of just, you, you, you kind of like nonchalantly just said these major things that you did. Right. And I want to, <laughs> I want to bring it back because one of the, the it, it is an entrepreneurial show and we definitely will talk about the social entrepreneur fund, but you started a business and you got I together did. with a couple of friends. Yeah. One of the hardest things that entrepreneurs have sometimes is that sometimes we're individually great, but we have a hard time playing with others in the sandbox. 
How were you able to get on the same accord with a bunch of other like-minded individuals to create something? Huh. So that's a good question. Um, well, I won't say it was always easy, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was how we get on. I guess we kind of started, you, you know, like many entrepreneurs, you start doing one thing and you realize where the opportunities are and you just keep pivoting. Um, so we were lucky enough to raise some money and, and you know, this was the late nineties. Um, so we were, there was a lot of venture money going into into the internet around those times. We were not an internet company, um, but there was just a, money was easier to raise at that moment in time. So we raised a fair amount of money. Um, We actually filed to go public. We had almost 200 employees, um, but that was right when the IPO market collapsed. Um, So we had to shrink back down to a smaller size. We spun off our market research business. Um, So it was was not an easy ride. It was one of the reasons I like investing is because I have a lot of empathy for entrepreneurs because it's really a lot of hard decision making all along the way around uh you know how to hire what to focus on and then um you know downsizing and having to let people go and then sort of reforming yourself that company's still around but it's you know it's it's is is it's a long road to uh to get to success so now now the, the the quintessential definition of a small business is 500 employees or less right and most of my listening audience, Liz, are, I mean, we're entrepreneurs, but a lot of us are, are, are solo entrepreneurs, right? We, we, we're good at this thing, whether it's baking a cake or selling real estate, but we're good, at, we're good individually at this thing. And so we go at it as an individual. You said that you guys had like 200 employees and you said something else that I don't want to, I don't want to like gloss over. You said that you guys raised capital. I think small, a lot of small listening audience who either endeavor to go into business and don't have the capital or even businesses who are in business right now and, and don't know how to, to do that. What does that look like? How, how, does, how do you go from having an idea, getting people together and saying, okay, we're going to raise capital? What was that process like? Yeah, so I, I think there's a, a, one small distinction I make between different kinds of businesses, and I think small businesses don't want to raise venture money, right? Okay. Because venture capital is a kind of investment that is a long-term investment that you sell a piece of your business to someone, and um, you know that's complicated. And they're they're investors with you; they're part owners with you. So you really have to know who your investors are if you're going that route. Plus, those guys come in when they think there's a huge multiple on the business one day. So we were selling software, and so they thought at some point, you know, you just a big. They're looking for 10x returns. That's why they put money in venture. It's like a little bit like gambling, truthfully. Whereas small businesses, right, they they just need a loan. They need access to capital so they can keep going. Um, They need working capital loan. You need a... You need a new oven. You need a new refrigerator. You need something to keep your business going, right? Um, and that's what most people are looking for in a small business. And I think access to affordable loans is, is critical to the recovery of the, the economy. It's critical to the lifeblood of America. Small businesses are the biggest hiring force in the country, and I, I just, you know, we really want to see them survive. Absolutely. So successful as an entrepreneur, parlayed that into to various roles in corporate America, uh, and then kind of switched gears a little bit and started to work with the social entrepreneur fund. Tell us about that, 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 um, uh, that aha moment 
where you knew that you wanted to to work with to to do this kind of work now and then tell us a little bit about the about the fund itself sure um well, I wanted to do this kind of work really always. Like I always wanted to work doing something I cared about. And I first I just needed to kind of have some skills and make some money. <laughs> and then I could pivot back to doing something I cared right. really deeply about. Um, so I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be working at a foundation with someone who felt this was an important, this was important work as well. So helped, helped kind of raise the first fund. I, the work we do, we focus on low-income on software that helps low-income communities. So it's quite specific. We, we're looking around alternative credit scores, people how to lower the cost of remittances when you're sending money home, how to get rid of overdraft fees. We're always looking at um, software companies that are figuring out how to solve those problems, and they're doing it um, outside of the traditional banks who make so much money off that stuff that they don't really want to cannibalize that revenue source. So they're looking for other companies to figure out how to, how to build those solutions and then potentially acquire them at some point. Sure. Now it, 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 there might be a small business who, who, who hears this and says, mm-hmm. you know, that's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. What does a small, because at the end of this list, I'm going to actually give out, I'm going to ask you to give out your information and you're going to be bombarded <laughs> with people to call you, but I'll, let's predict, let, let's, let's preface it. What do they need to look like, Liz? Like what things do they need to have in place so they can actually, you know, have a, you know, it can be a worthwhile uh, interaction between you and any, any potential businesses. Right. So for us, we're looking for companies that have some traction. They've, they've, they have a product in the market. They're selling it. Um, we usually look for about a million dollars of revenue because we're just a little later stage. There are a lot of early stage companies out there now. Um, they are focused on, uh, there's a whole bunch of incubators, which are really interesting. They take people in with ideas and in exchange for a small part of the company, they give them money and resources and help fundraising. So that's where I'd say early ideas should go um and there are a lot of those out there we can we can give you some resources but um but in terms of uh our fund we're looking just a little later stage so they've already kind of gotten the product out to market and gotten some traction got it got it now drum roll please liz where can individuals find you and learn more about your company and what you're doing sure we're at um uh, www.tsef.com. Absolutely. Liz Lucky, we appreciate you. Keep up the phenomenal work um, and, and great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, not a problem. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, that was Liz Lucky. She's the managing partner at the Social Entrepreneurial Fund. Uh, yeah, when I read a bio, I, got, I think she got a degree at, at Cambridge in England. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot different from CPS, I tell you that. But uh, <laughs> great work, I, I just just really really great work. I always it, it was funny though because like as entrepreneurs we we um you you hear different stories about how individuals got started, right? And if we were in a barbershop, I'll say it's levels to this, right? So for for me, I had an idea of. of that insurance kind of made sense, and I liked the model. Residual income was cool, and things of that nature. But that's totally different from you know having an, an, an IPO and raising money and raising capital and doing things of that nature. It's like different levels. And so again, no matter where you are in, in the spectrum of entrepreneurship, you know there's always a, it's always interesting when you hear the other side. 
Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be joined by a second guest. Talk to us about what he's doing with uh, his passion for cars and technology. You listen to the, the Urban Business Roundtable, Curtis R. Monday. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Go out to my website, www.curtisrmonday.com. The game, how to become a successful real estate investor. Go ahead and pick up that book. Our next guest is the co-founder of Driver. Driver is a free mobile app that allows users to video record their trip using their phone while receiving innovative uh, AI-based alerts when they are at risk of hitting a vehicle or pedestrian on the road. Uh, our guest has a passion for cars, car safety, and AI, and before founding Driver, worked in venture capital, technology, emerging market, economic development, and management consulting. I want to say good morning to my next guest, Mr. Rashid Gallandancy. How you doing, sir? Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thanks all for right. having me on. I absolutely, Rashid. And Rashid, I, again, as I tell all my guests, I, I pray that you and your family are safe during this tough COVID-19 pandemic, and I hope everyone is safe and healthy in one piece. Thank you. Thank you. They are, Len, and likewise. All right. I appreciate that. You know, Rasheed, we got a, a, a show about entrepreneurship. I want you to tell our listening audience, uh, share with us when the entrepreneurial bug hit you. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so I think I, like a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, I, I think I grew up seeing it to some extent. So my, my, my dad was uh, pretty entrepreneurial, had, had a number of different businesses, um, worked both as a teacher, but then also I mean, similar, it sounds like to some of your background, um, got into the real estate game himself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I grew up actually halfway between uh, northern Nigeria and uh, rural New Hampshire. Okay. So I think I saw, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting background. Yeah. Uh, and I think I saw in both places that I lived in countries where the government and the, the you know, the 1% had a ton of money uh, and it wasn't trickling down, you know. And that the kind of promise of, you know, equality wasn't there and that people were that, that were entrepreneurial, were creating jobs for their community and creating opportunities in their community. And so I think that really got me from the beginning to think I really want to do something that has some sort of combination between, uh, you know, social good, but then also cr creating business opportunities. What was your what was your first uh, entrepreneurial uh, endeavor? So in high school, uh, I was a real nerd and like you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, and I uh, had the opportunity, like you said, with, I, 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 I really want to uh, keep going back to the comment you made right before your last interview with Liz about mentorship. Yeah. Um, I was very blessed that in eighth grade, I had the opportunity to be mentored by, you know, a teacher in my school who had started like a computer club. Okay. So basically he, he brought in a whole bunch of old computer parts and started showing kids how to build computers. And that basically changed my whole life because I quickly thought, Hey, this is just like toys, like Lego. It took away all of the kind of intimidation of, of, you know, when you tell most people, like, could you build a computer? It sounds insane, right? Um, but it's actually not hard. They're just pieces. You stick them together. And uh, once I realized that, so my first entrepreneurial effort was in high school. I actually started a company building computers and selling them to, to other high school students. Uh, so that was pretty fun. We sold some pretty, some pretty expensive computers at the time. Isn't that amazing how someone – and 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 they might not even know it can take interest yep. in you or show you something and, and and not even know the impact 
that it can have on your life and, and, and the, the trajectory it can set, like your life events. I, I think that is so fascinating and we shouldn't take that for granted. I think my, I know my first mentor was my dad received. My dad, um, had a work ethic. He taught me my work ethic. I watched him yep. as he worked outside and cut the grass and worked on his, on, on the vehicles and went to work faithfully, never missed a day. I just, I, I watched it. He's my first everything. mentor. Yeah, I just watched it. So again, man, uh, I, I, I applaud you. So that, that was the first one. And so you're, you're, you have a passion for cars. How did, how did your passion and love for cars get hooked up with what you're doing right now? Yeah, so basically I was very into cars my whole life. Uh, you know, the typical kid stuff, Lamborghinis and Ferraris, you know, <laughs> stuff I, I could never afford but thought looked cool, right? Uh, and um, at the same time, I just became aware of sort of car safety pretty early on. So I often okay. joke that I'm like the only 36-year-old on his fourth Volvo, like by choice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, most people get Volvos. Most guys, I think, my age get Volvos because their parents – hand one down or something, you know, right, the buy them for, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, um, you know, I think partially was, was the Nigeria experience where, um, there's a higher per, per driver death rate than anywhere else in the world. Um, and definitely had both my parents be in crazy car accidents that they, they luckily walked out of, but, but shouldn't had had a cousin pass away in a car accident that was a real like, kind of bright rising star in, in, in Nigeria. Um, and so I just became very aware of the fact that this thing I thought was so cool and fun also had this like you know, crazy dark side. And so the more I learned about it, the more I found out that it's actually an incredibly kind of unfair situation where if you have, if you're in the 1% and you have a brand new Mercedes SUV or a Tesla, uh, you're, you're actually pretty safe on the road. Um, but the vast majority of people in the world are actually driving older cars. So even in the U.S., the average car on the road is 12 and a half years old and getting older. And when you look at car death and injury, it's the only top 10 cause of death in the world that is not a disease. It's the only thing that is hmm. not, you know, you know, a, a sickness, right? And it's also the only one that isn't getting better. Everything else is we're working on it, right? And this one's getting worse. And in fact, it's expected to double by 2030. We're talking about getting up to 4 million deaths a year, 100 million serious injuries a year. And to the unfairness point, not only is it worse in, you know, poorer countries than it is here for a whole bunch of reasons you can probably imagine um, in terms of road quality and car quality and all that, um, but even within the U.S., within every single city, uh, it's completely skewed by income. So if you think about New York where I live, uh, if you think about an, a fancy neighborhood like the West Village, uh, the Upper East Side, you know, you've got stop signs, stop lights, crosswalks. Right. Everything's lit up well. The speed limits are super low, right? You go to East New York, which is a much lower income, you know, minority community. Uh, the speed limit is like 55. People are walking to work. There are no signs and crosswalks and crossing guards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and people go to work really early and stay really late in really dangerous times. And the death rates are, are crazy. And people don't have that new Mercedes SUV that's going to stop itself if it's going to hit somebody, right? So this became like kind of a personal passion of mine, trying to figure out, okay, well, basically we're being promised these amazing technologies of the future, uh, but A, they're taking a lot longer than they said they would, right? They said we'd have self-driving cars in like 2015. And I'm pretty sure it's 2020 and I don't see them yet. Uh, and then B, uh, when, when these technologies do roll out, they roll out in an incredibly unfair manner. 
And so I just tried to figure out, hey, is there a way, you know, with the way that phones are modernizing today that I could create something that just feels like a dash cam, right, which is something that's actually pretty useful to everybody. Right. Hands down, if you get in an incident, if you get pulled over by the police, you want to have a record of what happened in that situation, what was that conversation like. Yep. Uh, and um, at the same time, can we lay in a bunch of these technologies like alerts if you're going to hit somebody or a cyclist or a vehicle? Uh, can we allow you to show that you're a good driver uh, anonymously, right? Privacy protected, but basically create a score that we can then show insurance companies for you and say, hey, yes, this guy is 24 years old and from a, a zip code that you don't usually like to write insurance policies to, but hey, he's actually a really safe driver. Uh, insurance companies actually would love to um, provide discounts based on how you drive as opposed to all these kind of unfair uh, third-party numbers right, that have nothing to do with how you actually drive, um, but maybe have to do with statistics, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it's pretty amazing. Like, I got 43% off my insurance using our app, um, and I think as a, you know, 35-year-old male, yeah, I, don't, that, I don't necessarily look like the best person for them to write an insurance policy to. Right? No, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm also a, I, I, I own an insurance agency, and one of the big pushes that we have right now is this push towards telematics, where you yeah, try to, you to, to yeah. do different things. That's just, just what you're saying. The, the, hard, the hard part for us right now, Receded, is getting individuals to, to agree to giving that level of access. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. because people feel like big brothers yeah. looking over your shoulders, and and, right. and no matter how much I tell them that it's not going to be punitive in nature, that is really what you've been it's really what you've been asking for. People want insurance rates to to be reflective of their actual experience, right? They hate to say, "Well, why do my rates go up? Well, receive been tearing up stuff." Well, I don't even know receive. Why are my rates got to go up? Because what receive's been doing. So you got telematics to kind of help with that stuff, and you just you, you what you're doing what you're doing right now, and what the, the app you've created. Is in is in that arena. It's, it's, it's the same kind of concept. So you actually did three things. One, you help a person with, with insurance rates. Two, you, you help create uh, a, more safety. And then three, in this whole crazy world we're living in right now with with social injustice, you just gave us another dash cam to, to help hopefully protect ourselves. <laughs> That's <laughs> receive. exactly right. Not, not just ourselves, but also you know you could be in a situation where you see something that that you know the public oh, yeah. should be aware of. You oh, know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Thank you. Yeah. Nah, nah, you hit the, the, the holy girl right there, man, the trifecta right yeah. there. So tell us. And I think our, our thing with the insurance piece is um, what we've worked out with the insurance companies that, that could even work with like an agency like yours is to say, um, we're just going to get a score from you without the insurance company knowing who you are, right? So it's kind of privacy protected. Then you can do a deal with the insurance company to say, okay, well, this person's such a good driver, they deserve 30% off, right? That gets them in the door. Then if you want to encourage them to use another telematics app from the insurance company, maybe they can get an even deeper discount. So with our app, there's none of that kind of concern about, oh, is someone watching me? And it helps educate people exactly what you're saying, that actually telematics won't hurt you. It's about comparing you to the the statistical mass of people. Yeah, I I like it. Honestly, I, I like it much better than what the industry went towards with using credit uh, like credit became like a big predictor of claim activity and influential exactly. rates and stuff like that. And, and I, I like right. this a lot better than, than credit, uh, the, 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 the credit model. Cause I think again, it's more indicative of, I mean, I can have crummy credit, but be a great driver. 
<laughs> you know, you know right. what I mean? I can, it's totally unrelated. It's totally yeah, unrelated. Credit could be crap, but I'm a great driver. I don't speed. I don't stop at wealthy stop signs. I'm, I'm a great driver. I got it. What, what's been the, the reason the, people have bad credit is often uh, unfair. Yeah. The there you go. A lot of other systemic yeah. issues that, that impact, that, exactly. impact that, that experience. What's been the biggest challenge for you as an entrepreneur getting your business off the ground receipt? Yeah, I think that uh, the biggest opportunity I've had is exactly what you said earlier, mentorship, uh, in that when I, even my first, like you said, <laughs> it's so funny you told that story. I had the exact same first corporate job experience where I went to go interview and I was so blessed and lucky to have uh, John Rice, who has an organization called Management Leadership for Tomorrow, um, amazing organization, all about mentorship. Uh, he called me up and said, hey, I know you're really smart. Uh, I know you work really hard, but you got to cut your hair. I had a crazy, crazy fro, like a level you've never seen before. And not even like a clean one, like an all over the place, you know, like I came out of the ocean kind of fro. And uh, he said, cut your hair and go get a suit, any suit, you know. So I did exactly what you did. I got a haircut. I went and got my first real suit. uh, And I went to the interview and I got the job. And then uh, similarly, you know, I think corporate itself if you find the right mentors within that environment, it's an incredible kind of training ground. It teaches you how to, you know, be polished and express yourself and deal with other people and not always get your way and all that stuff. Um, so it's a nice little kind of finishing school for entrepreneurship. Uh, but then uh, Liz actually was a huge mentor to me who you just had on the, on the line. So I worked with her for six years, learned everything every single day of, about entrepreneurship from her, watched her advise and mentor other entrepreneurs for six years, which was, you know, the best because it's kind of like hands-on experience. Um, and then, you know, branched out and, and to, did this, this thing myself. And um, I think the greatest challenge for me getting it off the ground uh, was fundraising. So yeah. I had the, I had the vision, I had the um, capability to build kind of the first ver- version and certainly the network to find the right people to keep it, keep it going. Um, but I was actually blown away by how hard it was for me to raise money, even given that I'd been an investor and, and you know, knew hundreds of investors uh, myself. Yeah. 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 Kudos for you, man, for, for staying the course. Where can individuals find the app uh, receipt? Trydriver.com uh, or you can search Trydriver in the app store or you can search driver dash cam. Mr. Rasheed Galadansi. Oh, go ahead. My advice on the fundraising side, I know you're running out of time here. Uh, like Liz said, understand what your business is and, and don't think that you need to raise a bunch of money if you're not building a, you know, a tech business, right? So if you're doing a real estate business, I think your best advice is actually to go get advice from a bunch of people who have built successful real estate businesses. If you're building an electrician's business, go find five and it's, it can be hard, but just open up the white pages and call people or talk to your you know friends and family and find 10 electricians who have done it and get their advice on, you know, Oh, I did this coursework and that's how I got the job or I did this and that's how I started the business. And even if you need a little startup capital, they always say the best way to raise money is to ask for advice. If you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, <laughs> ask for money. <laughs> you got to ask for money. You're just going to get advice. But if you want money, ask for advice. It's kind of this funny thing, but, uh, I think those people are the ones who have actually done it, and they, they know they know the right network. They understand they'll see your potential in a way that someone who's just an investor, let's say, you know, is used to investing in a certain a certain thing. They're not going to necessarily recognize the opportunity in you. 
Absolutely, man. We appreciate you, man. Mr. Rasheed Galadansi, co-founder of Driver. We appreciate you, sir. Be safe, brother. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for what you're doing here. All right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye. Great entrepreneurs, man. Great stories. And, again, we share those stories because faith comes by hearing, and we need to hear what some other individuals have been doing. And then also, again, some very tactical things that you can do to help with your entrepreneurial walk. So I hope this information is helpful. I want to say thanks as we've been on the air. I mean, getting hit on my website, individuals are picking up the book, uh, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor. So I appreciate all you guys for uh, your, your support uh, and what you're doing. We got Miss Formerly, Charlisa Formerly. I think she listens to me on the air right now. Out in Pittsburgh. Wow, dig that. So we appreciate you. Great show. As always, I want to take a quick break and be back at 11 o'clock with EJ Williams on C-Flips, He-Flips. Keep it locked here in the only station that matters. Call me at 708-647-1005 to get your financial house in order. Visit the website, curtisrmoney.com. I don't do this for my first name. I do this for my last name. Chance Jordan, Daddy loves you. Say what you want to about me, but I always know I did it my way. God bless.